0: Hello and welcome to the Standing for Truth Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Bedinsky, and together we will venture on a journey to explore the truth of biblical creation. Our ministry is also available on YouTube, so please search Standing for Truth and get access to the video versions of our programs. I'm Donnie Bedinsky, and as usual, Stay awesome, and trust in the truth of God's Word. All right, looks like we are live. Welcome to Standing for Truth. I want to thank everybody for being here for tonight's epic debate. Uh, I have Dr. Kent Hoven and Wade, who goes by Wade the Wizard on YouTube here with me to debate the important topic, is there reasonable evidence for evolution? Everybody's favorite debate topic. Gentlemen, Dr. Dino, Wade the Wizard, thank you so much for being here for tonight's debate.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah,
2: I can't believe it's finally actually happening.
0: (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) It's here, it's here, the much anticipated debate. We've already got a great chat. And tonight, as always, we are going to be having a professional, a formal debate. Uh, We're gonna have uh, introductions in a second from the debaters, Wade and Kent. Uh, We're gonna have 12 minute opening statements. Uh, equally timed, uninterrupted rebuttals of about eight minutes. Then we're going to have a free flowing, a cordial uh, discussion portion where the debaters are asking each other questions pertaining to the debate topic. Then we're going to have a five minute closing statement. And then this is where we get you guys in the audience involved. We're going to have an audience Q&A. So please make sure you're tagging me with your questions at Standing for Truth. That way I don't miss them. You guys could probably see in the upcoming live stream section, we have a ton of debates for you over the next couple of months, uh, including a ton of debates on this topic, evolution. We've had a lot of requests for the evolution challenge uh, debate uh, for Dr. Dino. So please, if you're not yet subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button and share around this content as the truth and critical thinking is important. So, Wade, why don't we start with you? Uh, First time on this channel, first time debating on this platform. Uh, How you been, what's going on, and a little bit about yourself?
2: Uh, I'm doing good, Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, so I'm Wade the Wizard, and um, debating about evolution. So I, I grew up here in Utah. I've been born and raised in Utah, and I was raised in the Mormon church, I grew up believing that God existed and that he created everything. I studied the Bible. I studied the Book of Mormon. Uh, I was baptized. And I I served a mission in Bulgaria for two years. And there seems to be a lag. Am I
0: coming through? Yes, your audio is coming through. My and and you did have enough. a bit
2: of a lag. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I grew up Mormon and... So about 2017 is when I uh, I kind of transitioned from my faith. Um, I kind of, I started out by asking God, I, I was searching um, for the truth and for what God wanted me to do. Did he not want me to drink coffee like the Mormons believe? Or did he want me to uh, not do blood transfusions like the Jehovah's Witnesses? And I had a sincere desire to know and uh, long story short, after much research and prayer and um, and faith, I came to the conclusion of atheism, and I I've been having I've been living a very fun life, and I'm happy, and it's it's been great. So that's where I I, I never would have believed if you had told me five years ago that I'd be debating about evolution. I I never would have believed it, but here I am.
0: Here you are, and I appreciate it, uh, Wade. I appreciate you be, being willing to engage uh, this important topic and debate uh, Dr. Dino. Uh, as we have can't uh, give his introduction, Wade, if you want, you can uh, see if you can fix your, your video lag. Uh, whatever you did before we went live, uh, maybe do that again. You are coming in pretty – your audio is coming in good. Your video itself is just a little bit uh, – uh-huh laggy so no worries uh, let's hand it over to Dr. Dino again thank you so much for being here how you been what's going on and Kent a little bit about yourself
1: I I've been good God's been good some of God's children drive me crazy but God God's been wonderful I wonder if the video I'm no expert on cameras and all this but maybe that hat he has is confusing is that confusing the camera or something for many colors I should talk with all my colors here Anyway, my name is Ken Hovind. I love the Lord. I was raised in a family of engineers and teachers in East Peoria, Illinois, and uh, ended up going to college to uh, start off to become a teacher and ended up switching to become a, I became a Baptist pastor in uh, 1974. And uh, been an ordained Baptist preacher so for 47 years. I did end up teaching high school science and math for 15 years in Christian schools and loved it. Um, Moved to Pensacola, Florida in January of 89 and started the ministry, Creation Science Evangelism, defending the Bible as being scientifically accurate. My study led me to believe, wow, there's not only a God. He, he, he wrote a book and told us how he made the place and, it, and preserved that book. And we produced, I believe in six days, the Lord made heaven, earth, sea, everything, dinosaurs included. He said it several times in the Bible in six days. So our video series, you can get on our website, Dr. Dino, 18 hours, when you're done watching it, you can return it and get your money back. I tell people, I used to loan my videos out. I learned immediately that Baptists don't steal, but they do borrow and never return. So you got to pay for it and send it back, get your money back. That's been my policy since the day we started this ministry. We produce a lot of videos and uh, materials. A guy watched my videos and called me from Missouri six years ago and ended up, short story, he bought this property we're at in Lenox, Alabama, 140 acres, and gave it to us. I've never met him, still never met him. I'm glad he watched the video, though. so we have 214 people baptized out here. We People come to the Lord all the time. We just want to please God with everything we do. So we believe the Bible is true. Jesus said the creation of Adam was the beginning. I believe that. And we're going to talk about tonight. I think there's zero evidence for this evolution theory. None. There's no scientific evidence of any animal ever producing offspring other than its same kind. It just doesn't happen. It's pure imagination. <laughs> I'm curious to see what Wade's got. Bring it on. Go ahead.
0: I appreciate that introduction, Kent. I appreciate the introduction from the both of you. So we've already got nearly 200 people in the chat. So again, I want to remind everybody, we are going to be having an audience Q and A. And so please make sure you're tagging me with your questions. Also these uh, chats get uh, quite lively, uh, which is good. You guys are passionate and these debates are fun. Let's just make sure we are attacking the arguments and not the debaters. Uh, Wade, one last recommendation I could give you is usually this helps if you go into the settings section and go to your camera, under your camera, you'll see show advanced options you'll have high definition, standard definition or low definition. Uh, yeah. If you change it or alter it to the either medium definition or low definition, that usually uh, opens up some bandwidth for you and that may or may not decrease the lag. And as you're doing that, I'll uh <clears throat> Announce uh, logical, plausible, probables in the chat, advertising the epic after show that starts right after this debate ends. He says, Come share your thoughts. And there is the link, guys. So please make sure to check that out. Okay, Wade, we're going to hand it over to you for your 12 minute opening statement uh, there, my man. And if you need to share screen, uh, please do so. And I can get it up for everybody to see your, your slides
2: yeah I'm just I'm trying to switch the camera, but I don't know. there's a lot of lot of lag as long as you can hear me and if my presentation comes through, I think we'll try and pick up from there you know
0: all right, no worries, no worries.
2: All right, let's see. Start camera. Hmm. Okay. Let's try this. Did
0: you try the, uh, reduction in resolution?
2: Uh, the, the, my whole computer is lagging. I, I don't know what's, um, what the issue is.
0: Are you in a different spot using the internet than? Um... Uh, I am, but
2: I have my so I have Google Fiber and I have the router right down here. So okay. that, that's what I did the first time. I mean, I could try and run upstairs, but
0: no worries. And you've got your ether, like you have a cable plugged in directly, or you're just using Wi-Fi? It, it's just Wi-Fi. Okay. And it's it's lagging for you to get up the um, the PowerPoint. You're saying?
2: I mean, yeah, everything. It's not just my video. It's like when I try and click on other stuff. Mm. Like I tried clicking share screen. Let's see if this pops up.
0: Did you want to try restarting your computer, refreshing it and then maybe? because if it's if it's your computer in general, that is laggy and not just your camera it may need a a solid
2: restart refresh Mm, yeah i suppose we could try that i could try and run upstairs let me um let me try and run upstairs for a second
0: (laughs) it's working it's not lagging now as you're walking around so that's good (laughs) You could do the debate while you're walking around there, Wade. So whatever, you're improving
2: a little bit. Excuse me. I got my dogs here. (laughs) Uh, I'll just find a place. Oops. All right. You might have a little bit more distraction, but, you know, this is what we do. We improvise and we go with it. Work some of that wizard magic.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Follow some of those wizard tricks. All right. How's that? Looks better. Looks better for now. All right.
2: Let's jump into this. Let's see. Share my screen.
0: Yeah. Once I see it pop up, we'll get it up on screen. There we go. And it's working. So I think we're good, Wade. Um, Your PowerPoint is up.
2: And whenever you're ready. The long (laughs) awaited, Wade the Wizard. Um, All right. So is evolution a reasonable scientific theory? Is it reasonable to say that snails and humans and trees are all related? No, of course not. That is such an unreasonable idea. However, some other unreasonable truths. I think it's unreasonable to say that Earth is 3.1 million miles closer to the sun in winter that's 392 earth diameters closer to the sun in winter uh, the human body is composed of 30 trillion cells and 39 trillion bacteria cells so we were literally more bacteria than human the atom is so small that we can fit a million atoms in the width of a human hair and not only has science discovered that atoms exist we know the very complex variety of uh, different kinds of atoms and how they interact with each other, Russia and Pluto have the same surface area. And one more here for you. So one teaspoon of a neutron star weighs the same as a, as the pyramids of Giza. Oh, wait see. Oh, that's right. 90 pyramids of Giza, one teaspoon of a neutron star. It's, it's unreasonable. But they're true because science has the evidence for it. So just to say that something is unreasonable doesn't necessarily mean it is true or false, as Dr. Dino likes to assume evolution. uh, So a definition, any change in the heritable traits within a population across generations. In short, evolution is reproduction, variation and selection. The evidence for, for this is vast in its breadth and depth. It has been tried and tested for hundreds of years. And it's important to note that these different fields of evidence help support each other. So like uh, I can confirm species distribution with mathematics and, and so on. Today, I'm going to focus on wing species and mathematics. Um, so ring species, what we have is we have uh, some kind of species, the original population here on the left, and as they reproduce and migrate, they come to a geographic barrier. Now, this could be a lake, it could be a mountain, it could be a canyon. Let's just call it a fitness barrier. So any, any barrier uh, for their ability to compete, survive, or reproduce. This could be a predator. It could be an environmental, uh, situation. Now science can look at the, this is a consecutive generation. So this green generation can interbreed with this slightly other green generation and science can look at the, how fast they're changing or the rate of change. And then as the generations come around this fitness barrier, Um, we now have purple and red. These are two different species that can't breed. They cannot reproduce. And we can look at the amount of change. Now, if we take the amount of change in their DNA and divide that by the rate of change, we can figure out generally, okay, this, we would expect this to take a hundred generations or a thousand generations and depending on, um, so we can take the number of generations, multiply that by the reproduction rate. And we'll get an estimate as as uh, how long this took. Some species reproduce every year. Some species reproduce uh, once a lifetime. So again, we have here on the left we have the uh, original species, and then it branches off into two very similar. Okay, I want to emphasize very similar, same kind of animal, but they're a different species because they cannot reproduce with each other. And this is a, a wolf and a coyote. Now, in some situations, we we come to the end of our ring species, and we, have, we now have two species. And what can happen is we have another branch or another ring species that diverges. So now we have one, two, three species, the gray wolf, the coyote, and the African wolf. And again, we can look at their DNA and create pretty good approximations as to how many generations it takes and how long it takes. If we go back further to the genus, we, ha- we see more, they, they just look like dogs, but um, so 3.5 million years ago, this is verified with other evidence of evolution. We can go further back. We have our dogs, our foxes, our coyotes. Uh, I found I thought this was an interesting branch as we as we go back in the um, history of evolution. We have the dog and the bear. This is one of the uh, so dog and bear are a close cousin, but it's still uh, many million years ago. And in my opinion, the dog and the bear are a, a different kind or more so than like a dog and a fox. Okay, uh, going further back, this is where, cats and dogs branched off, sworn mortal enemies for life. Um, And then we get to mammals as we go further back. And within mammals, we have different uh, orders of mammals that like, so from monkeys to bats, they're quite different, but they're all similar. Uh, And we're not taking that big of a leap yet, just still very similar species. Okay. So, and that's mammals right there in the red box. And if we go further back, so we're still just in the animal kingdom here. If we go, oh, wait a second. That's not right. I didn't, there we go. That's more like it. Okay. So here we have a more accurate depiction of the tree of life. As you can see, there's thousands of tiny little branches. Okay. And even this is very simplified. If we zoom in here, we can see that the one branch of dogs is just represented by one little mark. And when in reality, we have hundreds of species of dogs. Um, So I mentioned the dog and the bear earlier, very close cousins, uh, separated only by 45 million years. And here we have a common ancestor by 11 millionth great grandparent. So they're they're close cousins by just a few million years And how do we know this? How can we determine this length of time and this relationship? Because of the evidence and the data. We have DNA and anatomy and biology and biogeography and fossils and mathematics. And and it's falsifiable and repeatable and testable. Dr. Dino likes to create a misleading question and say the dog, the wolf, and the banana you know, they're saying like the banana is not related. Well, if we look at our tree of life, they're separated by, uh, my thing is covering, but 2.9 billion cousins. Okay. So, and this is, um, yeah, a very, very long time ago. How, how am I doing on time? Oh, I guess I can't, maybe you're muted. Anyway, we'll we'll talk about math. I hope you still can hear me. Um, so in mathematics is fun, fundamental to physics and, and all of science. Uh, what we can do is we can take a few data points and we can make predictions. And wait, test those pre- yes. I, apolog-
0: I was on mute. I apologize. You have exactly three minutes and 37 seconds. You're doing good. Perfect. Actually, and wait, I've got your timer paused. Um, I think we figured out the issue because the green screen swap that you were using, that takes a lot of bandwidth and RAM. No, that was a that wasn't a green screen, but oh no. Okay, well I I guess whatever that was, the second it stopped or you moved away, everything's been smooth since. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, you're good to go. Keep uh, go ahead. Yeah, we'll talk about math. All right. So, very important to all of science, and we can make predictions. So, an astronomer, for example, can observe a comet in a location and a time and then observe it in another location and a time. So we have the two data points. And with that, with that little bit of information, we can determine the velocity, the direction, the orbit. We know a lot of great things about this comet and we can have a whole discussion about the velocity, but what started it? Uh, it was maybe a collision or an explosion or maybe, maybe God did it, I don't know. But today we're talking about the what we can actually see so 2021 there was 7401 frogs and within the last decade we have two new frogs the polka dot tree frog and the robin moore's night frog and i just gotta say i think this guy is the cutest little frog i've ever seen so in a, in a past debate i'm sure you remember dr dino this was with conspiracy cats and he tried to um explain how speciation was impossible with with uh, noah's ark narrative Um, and you correctly actually asserted that it was an exponential growth rate all right so i took an exponential growth rate here for population growth tweaked it a little for evolution so our our total population currently of frogs this is 7400 species the starting population is one kind of frog on the arc, our growth rate, and this happened 4,400 years ago. So we plug it in and look at this beautiful graph. It's nice, smooth curve, and and it seems plausible, okay? But then what, what happens is when we extrapolate this data, you can see on the right, this red mark, when we extrapolate that data, it we would expect to see hundreds of species every year. But in reality, we see a couple new frogs every decade or so. And so the problem is with with uh, faith is they often start with the conclusion that God made everything in six days about 6,000 years ago. And then they have to doctor the data to make it fit their narrative. Um, and I, I think that's, Yeah. That'll be it for my time and stop sharing. All right. I appreciate
0: that Wade, uh, with a minute to spare. So that was about uh, between 11 and 12 minutes. So I appreciate it. And, uh, Kent, we're going to hand it over to you whenever you're ready. You have the floor for 12 minutes. It looks like you're muted. Um, Dr. Dino, but if you can unmute yourself, I think it might have to be somebody from over there because when I click unmute, it says can't unmute your guests because they
1: chose to no. mute them. Oh, oh. Okay, good to We're go. Good. Well, thank you. Uh, good to be here with you. Uh, as I said, my name's Kent Hovind. I taught science. I love science. Uh, this is interesting. I showed that picture many, many times of the dog, the wolf, the coyote, and the banana. And so for the record, it looks like Wade is admitting he does believe the banana is related over millions of years. So good, we finally got an answer to that one. Oh, Start this timer here, right there, okay. All right, um, I believe the evolution theory is positively anti-science, it's not even a good theory, it's a religious belief. These lines he drew on paper, showed the charts from the textbooks with all the animals and plants going back to a common ancestor, is pure imagination. It's not observed, ever. No farmer on the planet has ever observed any plant or animal produce anything other than its kind. You can imagine it, which he does, he's a wizard, he can imagine whatever he wants, but it's not science. It's anti-science, there's not a shred of evidence to support any of those lines on paper they drew connecting all these creatures like the bear and the dog having a common ancestor, that's imagination. Textbooks talk about evolution coming by natural selection. Well, I agree, nature can select. If you turned all the dogs in the world loose in Alaska, only the ones with thick fur and dense bodies would survive. And the ones with skinny legs and thin fur probably wouldn't make it. And after a few generations, you got a whole bunch of dogs that look like wolves and nature selected the hairy ones to make it. Didn't create anything. They already had hair. It just selected a slice of the existing population. That works. This textbook says evolution is a fact. Birds arose from non-birds and humans from non-humans. No person who pretends to any understanding of the natural world can deny these facts. Whoa, really? So what evidence do they give for this? It's okay to have a theory. Wade, you can have a theory that you're related to a frog if you'd like. Okay, that's fine. I don't care what your theory is. However, I think it'd be wrong to lie to students to tell them you have evidence for that. I defy you to show any evidence the purpose of this debate tonight, okay? If I had a theory that said the moon is made of green cheese, It's perfectly fine to have a dumb theory if I want, but then I say, suppose I said, well, NASA proved my theory when they went there in 1973 on a secret mission. Hold it. Obviously I can have a theory, but it's wrong to lie about my evidence to get people to believe me. It's worse to make me accept tax dollars to make everyone else pay me as I teach that lie. That's not common sense. I don't care if people believe in evolution It doesn't bother me. It bothers me. They want all of us to force that down the throats of all the kids natural selection natural selection works evolution is based on two faulty assumptions they say mutations make something new and better that's never been observed show me a beneficial mutation that is catches catches on and takes over the population wait i don't know if you understand this or not but if evolution is true and one animal evolves a little better than the rest of that same kind all the rest of them have to die or else that new improved gene code gets blended back into the generation and swamped and lost Evolution is a religion of death. Natural selection makes it survive and take over the population. That's never been observed. Science is things we can observe, study, test, and demonstrate. That is not observable. Evolution's a religion of death, not life. Natural selection take, it happens. Mutations happen. But they're all, all the observed mutations are harmful, fatal, or neutral. Nobody's ever proven a good one. What? Give me. They'd have to have trillions of examples of good ones quadrillions of examples. It says mutations are the original source of variations in population, like the variations of roses or the 7,000 varieties of frogs. I never said Noah took two frogs on the ark. He might've taken a hundred kinds of frogs. I mean, how many varieties of frogs are there? I don't know. Are all the frogs related to a common ancestor? I don't know. But it's sure, the fact that we don't know those things doesn't prove they all came from a dot of nothing. I can't believe you mentioned the 90 pyramids worth of mass to fit in that tablespoon on that star, probably true. And yet you guys believe all of this in the universe, all the stars, all the galaxies fit in a dot smaller than a proton? Stop and think, stop and think, okay? Darwin said, it's a wonderful fact that all animals and all plants throughout all time and space should be related to each other. Wait a minute, hold it. If you see 7,400 kinds of frogs and conclude they might've had a common ancestor, how do you jump to the conclusion that that proves frogs are related to sequoia trees? I don't get it. This is a lie. There's no proof of any animal or plant producing anything other than its kind. I got to scoot over and get centered. Okay, right there. Okay, there. No matter how numerous they may be, mutations do not produce any kind of evolution. They, re- they, they, they shuffle existing genes. That's all they do. For example, here's a five-legged cow or a bull. No new information was added. It already had the information to make a leg. It had the, the gene code to make a leg is really complicated. It duplicated that code and put it in the wrong spot, growing out of his back. There's no scientific evidence to support the idea of evolution. It was except lies that have been proven wrong years ago. If there's real evidence, show me, but don't lie and show, tell, don't tell the students you've got evidence for that. There's a short-legged sheep, that's a mutant. The Ancorn, Ancon mutant between normal sheep. It's useful to colonial farmers because they can build a shorter barn, but mutation would not last in nature. Why wouldn't it last? Well, he's the first one the wolf would catch. Go, boys, go. Here comes the wolf, you know, and he tries to run and he can't do it. Here's a two-headed turtle. That's mutant. It's not ninja, but it's mutant. And he's going to die first winter because nobody makes a double neck turtle next sweater. It just, there are no beneficial mutations. It's imagining. Scrambling the letters of the word Christmas will give you lots of different words, but you cannot get Xerox, zebra, or queen out of the letters from Christmas. And scrambling existing code will not get you any new beneficial mutation this biology book says normal fruit flies have two wings this mutant has four this rare mutation like most mutations is harmful then it says beneficial mutations are the raw material for natural selection hold it why did they show us a harmful mutation this fly can't fly by the way so it's not a fly anymore it's a crawl so it's why don't they show us a beneficial mutation because there aren't any there aren't any, none. One professor I debated said I could prove a beneficial mutation because people with sickle cell anemia cannot get malaria. Oh, so if you cut off your legs, you can't get athlete's foot. That's a good mutation, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Evolution and natural selection. They say how natural selection causes evolution creationists have no argument with natural selection. It's natural and it selects. We thought of it first, but it doesn't create anything. Natural selection, Have a stabilizing effect, but it does not have promote speciation. It is not a creative force. It doesn't create anything. It selects. Natural selection can only act on properties that already exist. It cannot create properties. So they're just simply dreaming, or maybe lying might be a better word, to say that we have trillions of beneficial mutations to change an amoeba to a human and a dinosaur and a pine tree. And all those are connected on your chart there that you showed, Wade. You really believe you're related to a frog. Okay, you can believe that. But stop calling that science. Call it nonsense. Darwin noticed finches with larger and stronger beaks were better able to open the tough pods. It was a Grant study they did in 1977. The Grants went down there for 10 years, studied the finches. I said, oh, the islands that only have tough nuts to crack, the finches have a heavier beak. Well, that's common sense. They're the only ones can crack the nut and get the food. And it said, evolution by natural selection had occurred in just one year. Now, this is a bold-faced lie. Tell the teacher, that's Ken Miller's book. Tell him I said so, he's lying. They didn't observe any evolution. They observed natural selection. you turn all the birds loose on an island and the only food you give them is nuts that are tough to crack. Only the ones with the big beak survive. I agree. Didn't create the beak. Didn't turn it into a jackhammer or or vice grip. It's still a beak. Natural selection can lead to evolution over a long period, this is pure imagination, it's a lie. It does not. If I worked at a factory that made cars and I'm in quality control, and my job is to select any mistakes, I see a car coming by, oh, they made a goof, reject it. Can a quality control person in a factory that's making cars who who catches every mistake and rejects it, can that ever turn the car to an airplane? No, natural selection selects. Quality control only controls the quality. It doesn't change it to something else. You might get a big dog or a little dog, but you always get a dog. And here's the one you used, and thank you, Wade. I'm glad you finally answered the question. No evolutionist has ever answered before. You do think a banana is related to a wolf and a coyote and a dog. Thank you, I'm glad. You're welcome to that. I don't care what you believe, but it's not science. Quit calling it science, it's a religion. There's a lot of different flies, a lot of different dogs, might have had a common ancestor, Bible said they bring forth after their kind. Sure, variations happen, but they have limits. Farmers have been trying to get bigger pigs for a long time. They'll never get a pig as big as Texas. I guarantee you that. Roaches become resistant to pesticides, but they'll never become resistant to a sledgehammer. There's a limit. They always produce the same kind of plant or animal. That's not evolution. The information for that variety was already in the gene code. No new information is added. The pigs don't become pink or learn to fly. Mm -hmm. And the gene pool of the new variety is now more limited. Chihuahuas cannot produce Great Danes anymore. They're both still dog, barely, Chihuahua anyway. And how long would the Chihuahuas last in the real world? Five minutes, the squirrels would kill them. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, make my day, right. Varieties of corn happen. I do this all the time, Wade, you can watch my videos. Nobody ever shows any evidence of anything other than a variation within the kind. They show varieties of corn, And then jump to the wild conclusion that corn is related to mosquitoes. Because after all, they connected them with a line on paper. Sure, there's a lot of dogs. Divergent evolution? There's still dogs. Look at them, all of them. Giving it a fancy name doesn't change the fact it's still a dog. There's a variety of horses. Little bitty horses, great big horses. There's all kinds of horses. Zebras, zorses, Zonkies. They're probably all related. I wouldn't argue about that. But it looks like a horse. It's four-wheel drive, you know, leather upholstery. Hooves. Tail on the back, nose on the front. It's still a horse. Okay, we're running around out of time here. There's a variety of chickens. We got, what, 50 varieties of chickens now here at our farm, 50 different kinds. They might've had a common ancestor called a chicken. Uh, the peppered moth, I, I've, got, I've I got stuff on everything and you're welcome to watch my video, try to debunk it. I stand by my, what I said at the beginning. Nobody has ever seen, no farmer in the history of the world has ever seen what the evolutionists claim by putting those lines on paper. You never see a cow produce a non-cow, a dog produce a non-dog, a frog produce a non-frog, never. But wait, you believe you're related to that frog, don't you? Go ahead.
0: All right, I appreciate that, Uh, Kent. That concludes the uh, 12-minute opening statement. And now we are moving into the uninterrupted rebuttals. We have eight minutes on the clock for the rebuttal portion of the debate. Wade, before I hand it over to you, I just want to let everybody know in the chat, I am all caught up on questions. We've got a ton of great questions uh, so far, so I appreciate it. And keep tagging me at Standing For Truth. Uh, That way I won't miss it. So Wade, we're gonna hand it over to you. And uh, you have eight minutes for your rebuttal. Whenever you're ready, go ahead
2: all right oh i hear uh timer that <laughs> actually no that was your timer you're done so we're gonna hand it back to, no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> go ahead yeah let me let it. me go ahead and uh start my stopwatch with my eight minute rebuttal and see how much i can get to um all right share screen uh first kind of started out saying like uh it's never been observed uh a new kind of animal become a new kind of animal. This is, um, we have ring species here. This is Wikipedia. We have, uh, about 30 or so different examples of speciation. Okay. The next thing you talked about was, um, it being a faith of sorts. Okay. Let me jump to there. I want to talk about, um, believe, because you say that I believe in evolution, so I would like to um, defend that claim. Often it kind of presents a, you either believe X is false or believe X is true. And this is very black and white. It's not always the case. So in reality, we have a spectrum of faith that intersects with knowledge. I know 100% that there are no married bachelors because that's, uh, by definition, what a bachelor is. Uh, Sasquatch. I Maybe I have, I don't know, I have zero knowledge of that, but I don't have to exercise any faith. So I'm there in the yellow. And uh, Dr. Dino, he there isn't any evidence for Noah's Ark, but he exercises 100% faith. He's over there in the green. I want to emphasize this as much as I can, because this often gets misconfused and misinterpreted. There's a big difference between trust and faith. Trust is believing that something is true based on evidence. I trust that my car is going to start in the morning because I have evidence, because I have repeatable, testable scientific evidence. Faith is believing that something is true despite lacking evidence uh dr dino believes that god created everything six thousand years ago and there's no evidence for that the next thing so that's faith let's see you talked about um uh oh let's see see if i can jump there as quick as i can you talked about teaching uh we want it taught in the classroom i would actually love to have creation taught in the classroom. However, I would have all of the different creation myths. Okay, so there's uh, about 60 different creation myths from all around the world, different kinds of creation, creation from chaos, emergence, uh, creation out of nothing. Uh, We have creation myths from Africa and from North America, and uh, let's see, Europe, Where's, uh, there's, there's just so many creation myths. I don't even, here's Genesis. Okay. So we would teach Genesis and we'd also teach the Slavic creation myth. And I believe that if kids were to see all of these different creation myths, they would start to realize that they're kind of nonsensical, you know, like these talking snakes and forbidden fruit and okay. Um, and i think it's interesting to point out that uh dr dino rejects all these other creation myths oh except for genesis because that one's true right so that was the classroom you talked about abiogenesis or the creation of life uh i want to touch on that real quickly we talked about math Now, remember, um, so in this example of my comet, we can calculate and we can observe the velocity, direction, and orbit. I don't know what started the motion, okay? I don't have any specific claim. So do I believe that life came from a rock? I I don't know, but I can see uh, speciation from one generation to the next. Um so yeah the discussion is about evolution abiogenesis is irrelevant Um let's see so next you talked about you had like five-legged cows and the short-legged sheep I wanted to emphasize once again when we have speciation I mean I mean this is a good example but oh, uh, we have the, the wolf and the coyote, they're, they're not like mutants. They're very similar. Now I want to, let me jump over to here. So I think, I think the, the main issue is that evolution is just misunderstood. I, I am the youngest of five kids. So there's reproduction and, and I, uh, the five kids, we look like my mom and dad. However, we don't look identical, okay? It's variation. Um, and so my, my oldest sister has five kids. My next sister has four kids. And uh, my, my brother has, oh gosh, three kids, four, <laughs> three, three kids. There's, but I, I don't have any kids and my other brother has has no kids. So that's kind of a, a selection process where, um, And it's simply, like, what is helps their fitness or their ability to reproduce? Uh, I also wanted to mention, so there was, like, I mean, as far as, like, God being a designer, right, um, you mentioned, like, a five-legged cow. But it's actually kind of an interesting question. Like, if I was a designer, I would make... Like, how cool would it be to have, like, a six-legged uh, cheetah or something? Or, like, maybe a monkey with eight eyeballs and two tails and and wings. Or, you know, like, that's a cool idea, isn't it? But, no, they're all just like, like, look at all these guys. They're, like, basically the same four-legged, two eyes, a nose, mouth. It's boring. Like, where's the creativity? Um let's see i've got one minute left you talked about kinds maybe i can knock this out real quick um maybe if you'll allow me just a few more seconds so i want to talk about kinds producing kinds and we have a car that's it's basically the same kind of car but what kent hoven likes to do is he jumps from horse and buggy to the Ford Bronco to the Cybertruck. Like, whoa, how did we get there? But that's not really how it works. It's slow, incremental, small changes over hundreds of years. Okay. So it's more like this um, with evolution, we don't go from like a fox or, a, a, excuse me, a wolf doesn't give birth to a hound, which in turn gives birth to a little teacup terrier. It's so cute. But in reality, It takes thousands of generations and it takes hundreds of years. And, uh, as far as genealogy of the dog, I think it's interesting because. This is unnatural selection where we get to pick the traits. And so this kind of evolution can happen at a faster rate. And there's currently, uh, 7,000 different kinds of dogs. Uh, let's see. So again, we have a big kind of car and we have a small kind of car. But if we trace back the innovation throughout history, we can see that they have a common design or a common ancestor, a thing with wheels that carries things. Um, however, if we look at these different inventions, the rollerblades, the Segway, the vacuum, if we look at their innovation and their history, we can trace it back to a thing with wheels that carries things. But here we can see that I mean, obviously rollerblades is not a car, right? Um, and that's the way it happens with evolution. So here we have the dog and the banana, which I, I know you just love so much, but they're both living organisms. They're both complex cell structures, male and female reproduction require water. They have all these things in common. It's not that a stretch, uh, that much of a stretch of, you um, think that they have a common ancestor which also shared these these traits and i believe that is oh yeah that'll be good enough for now i I appreciate you letting me go over time for a bit no worries
0: uh thank you wade for that uh, rebuttal that was about eight minutes which is fine we're easy going on the um opening statements and rebuttals what we'll do though is give dr dino equal time so uh dr dino you have okay You've got, actually, uh, no, I think that was about nine minutes. So, Kent, you got about nine minutes for your rebuttal whenever you're ready.
1: All right. Well, thank you, thank you. I think he proved my point by lining up all the cars. None of those cars changed to the other kind of car. Somebody designed the improvements in them, didn't they? They used a common design with four wheels. Anyway, yes, I'd love to take that one topic at a time. If he, Wade would like, he'd pick his favorite. Um, let's see. It's never been observed. He, you may, he gave a, a, showed a list of speciation. Well, they're still the same kind. a virus that's now resistant to something is still a virus. So there's, no, there's been no examples of a new kind created. Take, take any one of those 30 you showed the list of. Let's talk about that just specifically. Exactly what did they observe? Just because somebody decided to call it a new species, like a dog and a wolf are a different species. Canis lupus, Canis domesticus. They're still a dog. They look like a dog. They're still the dog kind, okay? So I'm sorry you did not show any... You said I have great faith about Noah's Ark and there's no evidence. First, I think there's plenty of evidence. But see, Wade, I'm not demanding everybody teach my creation story in the classroom. I don't have to prove my point. The purpose of this debate tonight, even the title of it is, is there reasonable evidence for evolution? I haven't seen any yet. I'd like to see what you've got. And you mentioned the difference between trust, I understand. Where is the evidence? Nobody ever sees any animal produce anything other than the same kind. Creating what somebody decides to call a new species is not evidence. Uh, And you mentioned all the creation myths. Should we teach all 90 or 2000 or whatever it is creation myths? Of course not. The bigger question you're missing totally, should we have public schools at all? If we're going to have a public school that all the kids are required to go to, then we shouldn't require any religion to be taught. Evolution should not be taught. Evolution is a religion. You're welcome to believe it. But it's not part of science. Keep... That's what I've said. Keep evolution out of the schools. It's got nothing to do with science. It's unnecessary. So you may believe in it all you want, but that's a creation myth itself. Evolution is. So why are we all required to teach your myth? If you want to teach them all, go ahead. I don't think it's practical. Better yet, in science class, teach science, which has nothing to do with evolution. You can learn every speck of anatomy that there is without talking about evolution at all. The kids could study for hours and hours and hours and learn the the biceps and triceps and deltoid and flexors and extenders and carpals and metacarpals and phalanges and mandible and the temporomandibular joint and the frontalis muscle. And they can learn all that stuff. Nothing to do with evolution. Nothing. They could learn real science. They could learn the physics. They could learn earth science. Kids are different kinds of rocks. How old are they? We're not going to talk about how old they are. There's different kinds of rocks. There's metamorphic and sedimentary and uh, igneous they can learn all the evolution is unnecessary so you you say you you use the false analogy that we can't teach all of the myths therefore let's not teach creation myth well then let's not teach evolution myth either so i stand my case stand my ground on that one should we have public schools at all so you said the wolf and the coyote are close i agree and therefore you jump to the conclusion that a banana is related wait wake up son okay and you mentioned about why so many animals like cheetah why don't they have six legs or more legs as if they could run I think the cheetah does fine with four but there are quite a few animals with more legs can a a centipede run faster than a cheetah can an octopus got eight legs and he run faster than a cheetah maybe adding more legs would add more unnecessary complexity would adding would building a car with 10 tires on it make it go faster ask the guys who drag race no four's plenty it's all you need I was really amazed that you would use that as an analogy you think there was not enough uh, creativity. So some of the animals ought to have six legs. You know, humans ought to have four arms. Who's going to, who, we're you going to buy a shirt with four arms. You know, a lot of women like to have four arms when they got to, you know, hold the baby and uh, stir the coffee and all this kind of stuff and run the vacuum cleaner all at the same time. So what you gave for an analogy of the car is classic. It's example of design features being added by intelligent people. Now, The word evolution has six different meanings. I cover this all the time. There is cosmic evolution, which is essential for your theory to make any sense. You have to have time, space, and matter to start existing. Where did it come from? Then you have to have chemical evolution. The Big Bang supposedly only produced hydrogen and helium. Where do you get iron, gold, silver, platinum out of hydrogen? Then you have to have stars evolving. Nobody's ever seen a star form. We see them blow up all the time. Then you have to have organic evolution. Life has to get started. Now, you guys very wisely try to avoid those four because there's no scientific evidence for those and say, well, once life gets started, then we see how it evolved. You don't even see that. We never see any animal produce a different kind of animal. Macroevolution is major changes in structure and the ways of life over tens of millions of years. Hovind translation. We can't see it happen. So we imagine it giving it more time. It's imagination. Macroevolution takes place in populations and the genotypes of individuals. They can dream this if they want. It's not science. It said all accept evolution. No, they don't. If I said, I accept the idea that cows can jump, that's a fact, cows can jump. We got some here. You could probably train the cow to jump higher. I bet we could work them out, get a coach and say, coach, train this cow to jump higher, put some weights on him, make him jump higher. Therefore, because cows can jump, the evidence is overwhelming. Does that prove that cows can eventually jump over the moon? No. This is what you guys absolutely don't see or refuse to see. Yes, there are variations, but they're limited. There are variations in the dog kind. You get a big dog or a little dog, but it's a dog. might be a Chihuahua or a Great Dane, but it's still a dog. They've been getting bigger dogs. Do you think they'll ever get a dog as big as uh, Texas? Or even a dog as big as an elephant? There are animals as big as an elephant, you know, like an elephant. Four processes of evolution fundamental. Four fundamental forces, natural selection. Natural selection only selects. Genetic drift, yeah, it can only drift so far, then it dies. Mutations, they're all harmful or fatal. Gene flow, yeah, they keep it the same kind. I bet your grandparents were human. 250 breeds of cows, might have had a common ancestor called a cow. Hundreds of varieties of corn, 200 varieties of wheat, might have had a common ancestor. 4,000 varieties of potatoes, most of them artificially selected by man, to grow in sandy soil or dry soil or wet soil or get bigger potato, sweeter potato, whatever. Sure, I accept the fact variations happen in the potato kind, but they're still a potato. Dogs always produce dogs, no exceptions, none. 200 or 350 varieties of dogs might have had a common answer. Here's your favorite one, Wade. So, for the record, you really believe a banana and a wolf are related over millions of years, of course. You've got to give it time. Bible says they bring forth after their kind. I stick by that. It's mentioned 20 times in the first seven chapters. There is no evidence of anything against that. So do you have evidence, which is the purpose of this debate, of evolution other than something what anybody would consider of the same kind? Darwin wrote his book on the origin of species. There's never been a good definition of the word species either. I covered that the other night in a debate. You can watch that. I'm going to run out of time here. So microevolution is a lousy word. We shouldn't use it, but they do. We're kind of stuck with it. This one is science. It happens. Variations happen. And you guys want to imagine that this proves macroevolution when it doesn't. Microevolution is changes within a species or small group of organisms over a short period of time. Antibiotic resistance is an example. It happens. Mosquito populations in the north, or sparrow populations in the north, are larger. Yeah, because it's colder up there. They got to have a bigger body to survive. Still a sparrow and mosquito population. We talk about this in my video series. Anyway, I'll stay on time. So I, I stand my ground. I think you've offered zero evidence, scientific evidence. You've offered imagination. whereas the scientific evidence to support this theory that you showed the chart that we all humans and dinosaurs and frogs have a common ancestor? I'd like to see the scientific evidence for that. Wade. Go ahead. Your turn.
0: All right, Uh, that concludes the opening statements and the eight to nine minute rebuttals. Fantastic debate so far, gentlemen. I appreciate the visuals. Uh, Points are clear and concise. So now we are moving into the discussion portion of this debate. And as always, we strive to keep this discussion cordial, professional, free from ad-homs. And of course, focusing on one topic, at a time. What we'll do is hand it over to Wade. Uh, since Kent just ended with his rebuttal, Wade, why don't we give you the floor to start us off with the uh, first point And first question. Uh, go ahead, whenever you're ready. The floor is yours, gentlemen.
2: All right, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess uh, I, I made kind of a list of your eight minute rebuttal. The, the biggest thing that I want to emphasize, uh, something that you often bring up is the kinds produce kinds uh there's never been an example of a kind producing a another kind i i'm not claiming that that happens uh, um evolution doesn't claim that one kind of animal produces another kind in my opening statement i showed you know you have the the wolf and the and uh the coyote so they're all very similar like you, And then I also showed the example where you go from a wolf to a hound to a teacup terrier. That's not what happens in evolution. It's these very tiny, incremental, um, imperceptible steps. And in fact, if we could do uh, a little experiment, anyone who's uh, watching can participate. All right. This is a hands-on experiment. I want you to pick a finger and observe your fingernail for one second. Okay, ready, go. My fingernail didn't, I I don't know, it it didn't look like it grows, so therefore my fingernail doesn't grow. Uh, Continental drift, you know, it uh, very, continental drift is even slower than growth rate of fingernails, but how do we know that exists? And it's because you know, so evolution is so slow, we can't observe it directly. I mean, uh, macro evolution, you know, big species to different kind of species, but we have a whole bunch of evidence of retroviruses and DNA and anatomy and biology. Well, let me just stop you
0: there, Wade. I, I yeah. appreciate
2: that. Uh, before we get into, uh, let's say,
0: retroviruses and things like that, let's uh, kind of stop there. I appreciate the points. Uh, Dr. Dino, over to you for your uh, response.
1: Yeah, one point at a time. I agree. You cannot watch your fingernails grow. Therefore, it's uh, you can see it over a long period of time. I can prove that it did grow. That can be demonstrated because we can live long enough to observe this happening. Nobody's lived long enough to observe a mosquito turn to anything but a mosquito. Nobody's lived long enough to produce, to, to observe a bacteria, amoeba, produce anything other than an amoeba. So what you have is a vivid imagination. You can believe that all you want. See, the word science, Wade, comes from the word seer, which is Latin, which means to know. What do we know? We know frogs produce frogs. We can observe that. Every farmer on the planet knows cows produce cows. That's observable. Evolution is not observable. It's not part of science. That's what I've said all along. You're welcome to believe it. Here's the chart I was looking for. Page, slide number 1367. Okay, Alt-D-V, 1367. Do you believe this chart shows the reality of of life that humans and dinosaurs and whales are related to a common ancestor, uh, which was an amoeba? Do you believe humans and, uh, and uh, let's see what, pick one on here humans and squid are related to a common ancestor? And if so, where's the scientific evidence for that? Saying we can't ha- see it because it observed, it happens too slow, there that's not evidence. I can observe after a week or two, my fingernail has grown, I can observe that. Has anybody observed, has anybody ever observed any, an amoeba produce a non-amoeba? Where's the evidence, Wade?
2: uh all right so let's see uh kind of lost my train of thought there's i was trying to prepare my um trying to find the right
0: are you looking for a slide weight, or did you want to maybe start yeah. off by answering kent's question on the uh, tree of
2: life or I mean, however you want to um, go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess eh, I maybe it'll be better if we just kind of. Well, I, I, I guess, yeah, that's what I was I was trying to think of. Um, maybe I'll share my screen for just a second. Yeah. Uh, Well, anyway, so I was, I was starting with the dogs right with the ring species, right? And we were tracing it back throughout history and we have, uh, evidence of their DNA and we can see there's a lot of evidence that suggests a bear and a dog are very close cousins. They're very close related almost, uh, and we have a lot of evidence that suggests that it's, you know, 40, approximately 45 million years ago that they had cousins, um, or that they had a common ancestor. And you, know, you talk about a different kind of animal producing a different kind of animal. I, I think a dog and a bear are a different kind of animal. Um, I, I, just real quick, so you mentioned no one has given a good definition of species. My definition, I mean, I don't know what other people say, but for me, it's, can they reproduce? And I think that's pretty simple.
1: Okay, a bear and a dog cannot reproduce. Yeah. I agree. Bear and dog are different species. Now for you to say 45 million years ago, they had a common ancestor. That's not science. That's a statement of faith. You don't know that. You can believe that if you'd like. All we've ever seen is dogs produce dogs. There's eight kinds of bears and 335 or nine whatever varieties of dogs. We've never seen what you're talking about. It's not science. Where's the real scientific evidence that a dog and a bear are related if they have similar DNA code or similarities, like they both got hair on the outside, maybe that's a good design. Maybe the same designer used it. Honda and Ford both put uh, toy- uh, we wheel- round wheels on their cars. It's a design that works. Doesn't prove they're related. So, um, the purpose is mm. for you to show scientific evidence. You said a dog and a bear are related. You said that 45 yeah. million years ago. That's not science. It's a statement of faith. Where's the science?
2: Um, so there's DNA, there's retroviruses, there's comparative anatomy, there's molecular biology, biogeography, uh, paleontology. I, I, I'm just saying, like, you're saying there's no evidence, and then I'm saying, like, there's evidence, and you're just like, no, there's yeah. not. Well, why don't we um, do I, this,
1: Wade? Wait, 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 yeah. wait, you, you rattled off a bunch of words. You say the word, you know, uh, uh, DNA, retroviruses, that's not giving the evidence. Has anybody ever observed a bear produce a non-bear? or a dog produce a non-dog. Have you? No, because it never happens. Bingo, you're getting it. It never happened. I got, I agree. No, I, so like
2: one kind of animal producing a new kind of animal in one generation,
1: that doesn't happen. We don't jump from a horse and buggy we, to a cyber we, truck, right? We agree. And the horse and buggy didn't go to a truck by itself at all. Somebody designed it. They used mm-hmm. a common design that works. So we don't see it in one generation. Do we see a dog and a bear having a common ancestor in 40,000 generations or 10 billion generations if you th- we don't know what it's not observable it's not science that's all science is what we can observe study and test is there scientific evidence for your theory that a dog and a bear let alone a dog and a mosquito have a common ancestor your chart shows all of them let's see the dogs on here somewhere dog and worm wow and right. seaweed well should we um, kind
2: of move on, we can talk about some of the evidence for this? Yeah, oh, why don't
0: we to. do this then? Pick, pick one yeah. of your
1: evidences.
2: DNA? Yeah, let's pick one, Wade,
0: and then uh, just engage that one. Once okay. we've exhausted that, we'll pick another and we'll kind of just go uh, one by one, one topic at a time. So Wade, let's hand it back to you. Uh, pick a specific line of evidence for evolution and we'll engage it a little bit.
2: I just, uh, so I, I prepared this slide, so I'm going to bring it up real quick. So, um, yeah, this was something up. that uh, you see it. Yeah. Yes. So in, endogenous retroviruses was something really interesting that I didn't know about before, before this preparing for this debate that I studied. Uh, and it's kind of difficult to understand. So I'm um, going to explain it with an analogy. There's this book called Remembrance of Things Past by Marshall Proust, and it is 9,609,000 characters long, including spaces. Really big book. So let's say I take this book, I open up to a random page, and I highlight a random letter or space, okay? And Dr. Dino takes the same book, a copy of the book, opens up to a random page and highlights a letter. The... Po- the probability that we did highlighted the same letter is about one in 10 million very improbable okay but if i take that book highlight a letter and then i photocopy it then the chance of that letter is 100 percent, right um so if we look at shared endogenous retroviruses it's a, a virus that inserts itself into a It basically takes a highlighter and marks a specific location in the DNA. If we compare an orangutan and a chimpanzee, the probability that they have one, just one endogenous retrovirus is one in 10 million, right? However, if we look at mama chimp and a baby chimp, which is a photocopy, right? The chance is 100% that it's going to be in the same place. Now, if we look at humans and chimpanzees, there are 205 recorded, measured, observable endogenous retroviruses shared between these two species. So the probability uh, that we had this many endogenous retroviruses shared in common, um, if we were separate, I mean, if we didn't have a common ancestor, it's one in 5.88 times 10 to the 1,418. So in my opinion, that is undeniable evidence that chimpanzees and humans have a common ancestor.
0: All right, I appreciate that, Wade. Uh, We'll make sure uh, to hand it to Kent for equal time. Shared endogenous retroviruses between humans and chimpanzees. We can engage that a little bit if you'd like. Uh, Dr. Dino, over to you, take your time.
1: Sure. Well, let's assume that assume that what he said was true, that the chimps and humans have these similar in, uh, retroviruses. OK, I have to check that out, even if it's true. Is that the only possible way to look at it is common ancestor? Are there any other ways to look at it? My dad was real good at teaching us boys when, you know, something was wrong. There's ten or 15 different ways to look at it. The grass is too long. The lawnmowers broke. OK, what do we do? Uh, Buy a new lawnmower, get a goat, forget it. You know, mom doesn't like the grass. Well, let's move, get a new house. There are 20 ways to solve this. Besides, you know, you're focused on one. You see, the only way to explain this is got to have a common ancestor. Well, maybe they both went through the the same trauma, like a flood that uh, did something. Maybe they both had the same trauma in their life, in their history. Maybe they have the same designer. Maybe there's something about that retrovirus that we don't understand yet. A lot of things they thought were unnecessary turned out to be, wow, you need that. For years, they thought the tailbone was vestigial. You don't need it. Well, yeah, you do. Take your tailbone out. You you won't have any more babies, probably. There's all kinds of things. The tailbone is an anchor point, nine different muscles attached to the tailbone. for years, they thought the appendix was vestigial and the tonsils and adenoids. I had mine taken out as a baby or kid. They just random take them out. But now they know the purpose of them. So maybe they just don't simply know the purpose yet, but you're stuck on, has to be evidence for evolution. I'd say there's many other ways to look at it. Could these, there's articles on this topic on Answers in Genesis a website about the retroviruses, about them not being evidence for evolution. I would point out Microsoft PowerPoint and Microsoft Word each have, how many lines of code would you guess, Steve, in those lines? Millions of lines of code. I would be willing to bet millions of the lines of code are identical. I bet Microsoft Word and Microsoft PowerPoint use the same spell check. Oh. So what does that prove? That they both came from Morse code? No, the same guys are writing the code. I think what you showed with your retrovirus is the same guy wrote the code. And if I, you pick letters from a book and I pick letters from a book, I'd be willing to bet they're all English. I bet if we both went through that book and picked letters, nobody would get Chinese. And I bet the same, the author wrote that whole big book. And sure, he's gonna use common phrases over and over. Uh, I use the phrase, I bet many times. Uh, you probably have little pet phrases you use from time to time because it's still it's still you talking. You can go back and look at my videos from 20 years ago and see some of the same mannerisms, some of the same. Uh, I still have to adjust my back that I broke, you know, years ago. still hurts all the time. So, yeah, it's me. I, I haven't changed. So I think you, you haven't proven that that's evidence for evolution. I rest my case. Go ahead. Next one. Go ahead, Wade. Uh,
2: yeah, so I kind of wanted to jump on you know, you were talking about Microsoft code, and I think there was, let's see, I'm sharing my screen. Okay, so like Microsoft code, often Dr. Dino will take some kind of inorganic design like a a book or a code and, and make the analogy that it's comparable to organic life. So let's take something that's designed like a watch and we discard it on the side of a path. And then we take something that's organic, this apple core, and we discard it on the side of the path. Now, if we fast forward uh, 10 years, let's say, the watch gets more rusty and it starts to break down. While the apple has, with only the inputs of the sun, water, it has reproduced and it has created this apple tree. If we fast forward even more, uh, hundred years this tree has produced more offspring with variation and perhaps there might be some natural selection birds will like a certain type of apple more than another and spread their seeds if we fast forward a million years we would expect to see and this is what the evidence suggests is we would see a, a completely different landscape with different kinds of trees well what about the watch the watch has deteriorated so uh, the main point that I wanna make is that it's not a uh, fair comparison to uh, talk about organic life that reproduces naturally and inorganic
1: design like cars. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, that's all I want. Yep. You realize the apple contain a se- some seeds that contain a code that is just the code in, an, in one apple seed. Is more complex than the entire Microsoft Corporation. All the codes they've ever written, all the codes in the history of man, how many code lines have been written Steve in the history since we've been doing this codes? Billions. One seed in that apple has a more complex code than all of the computers in the world and you think that seed happened by chance. I don't understand how you can't see how dumb that is. That seed had to be designed The seed did the job. Sure, the apple seed could produce an apple tree, which could produce an orchard, which could take over the landscape. You are correct. But your logic behind what that means is totally wrong. That's evidence of a grand designer. I don't don't mind bowing the knee and say, wow, God, you're amazing. You can look at a single cell off of your body under a microscope and realize one cell in your body is more complicated than the space shuttle. Why can't you praise the creator for being so smart. Why would you give credit for that to a dumb religion called evolution? I don't understand you guys.
2: All right, yeah, so um, on that topic, I wanted to mention something that, um, well, I I mean, I guess first you say common design means common designer. I see common um, biology, I think common ancestor and you know so I, I support my reasoning with with evidence that i've uh discussed like endogenous retroviruses but um anyway earlier in your eight minute rebuttal you you mentioned the burden of proof the burden of proof is on me to um support evolution uh, but this is something that you often misunderstand and, and I've seen your other debates, and you misunderstand the burden of proof, is the responsibility of an individual or party to prove that an assertion or claim they have uh, claim they have made. So, Dr. Dino claims that God created everything six thousand years ago, and so far you haven't produced any evidence of a God or that th- he created everything or that he did it six thousand years ago. Um, and I'd kind of like to discuss some of your evidence for that, those claims, because that is your burden of proof.
1: Well, if I was asking everybody to pay for that to be taught in the schools, you would be right. I'm allowed to believe nope. anything Hold on. Dr.
2: Dino, that's not what the burden of proof is. You realize anybody who makes a claim, sure. if I did claim you, that you, all, wait, all swans wait. are white.
1: Did you read the title for the debate tonight? Where's the evidence for evolution? Not the evidence for the Bible, not the evidence can, for the Can flood. you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> I'll be glad, having a, I'll be glad a to debate, debate where that with you? I'll be glad to debate that with you, but the purpose of the debate tonight is for you to offer evidence for your theory. Not to put the You're trying to switch the burden of proof to me. I'm not asking mine to be taught. I can believe whatever I want. There's churches all over the country. There's some strange religions out there. Evolution is the strangest of them all. But you want to think and proclaim it is science. It's not. It's a religious belief. And you're welcome to it. You're welcome to believe in evolution, I don't mind. But I do resent you making everybody pay for that to be taught to all the kids like it's part of science. It's not part of science. I never said my, my belief that God made the world is part of science. I think the scientific evidence would lean that way, but I, I can't prove that. So I wouldn't say that's science is what we observe. <clears throat> all, we, all we observe is apples produce apples. But you believe apples and frogs are related. That's not observable. Yeah.
2: Uh, so again, I, uh, I would absolutely advocate for teaching creationism in, in, uh, schools. So you can dismiss that claim, but I I just think it's interesting. So in typical debates, there's two sides of the argument. My side is evolution is true. That's my claim. And I have a burden of proof with my evidence. And the other side of the argument is creation is false. That's your claim. And so I would like to see you support your claim with evidence like a typical debate that has two sides of of an argument, not just one sided
1: argument. The two sides of this argument are, is there evidence for evolution? Is there no evidence for evolution? Creation has nothing to do with this. You're supposed to prove there's evidence that the frog and the mosquito have a common ancestor, like the chart show. You haven't shown that. You said, "Oh, over 45 million years. Maybe the bear and the dog had a kind." Let's—we don't see 45 million years. It's not observable. So it's—I mm-hmm. uh, will take the position: there is no evidence for this tree of life, no observable scientific evidence. Now you can believe that if you like. People say, "Well, we got majority opinion before 1850. All the majority of scientists believed in creation, so therefore it was true." The fact that a majority believe something now, is it the truth change because a majority chose to believe something? No, you can't go by majority so, opinion in anything. So you didn't bring that up, but some people do that, say, oh, majority. Right. Majority yeah.
2: Opinion. So that, that is one point that I, I was hoping would be brought up and I would really like to emphasize. Often it says like, or I think it's very misleading when people say, oh, 98 percent of scientists agree that evolution or or something like that it makes it sound like oh it's just their opinion they think like 98% people think that uh, a- evolution it, scientists don't have an opinion when when we're talking about like uh continental drift it's uh 98% of geologists uh, of the science agrees like we we look at the data um but yeah so science is objective and it doesn't care what people's opinions are uh, I personally have trust that the evidence and the science that backs up evolution is true because science is repeatable and testable, and we have the evidence
1: there for it. So, well, if it's repeatable and testable, get an amoeba to turn to something other than an amoeba. The chart shows they all came from an amoeba. Amoeba, single cell creature. Where are the two cell creatures on this planet? Amoeba have a very short lifetime. I mean, you can. They grow up get married and have kids in what 45 50 minutes you ought to be able to get billions of generations in one observable human lifetime they've tried for years in the laboratory to get bacteria to do anything besides produce bacteria they won't do it so that's not science it's a belief maybe a better analogy would help wade your hat let's assume your hat is made of yarn i don't know okay somebody knitted that yes okay if there was a tornado in a yarn factory would it produce a hat like that? Is there any chance in a quadrillion years that no. your hat could be produced by chance?
2: Because it's inorganic. So we talked about like the apple and the watch, right? Apple's organic, yeah, right. Yeah, apple. So it, it self it reproduces by itself.
1: Cool. So right? if it, your hat, code. if your hat if your hat was able to reproduce, it could eventually change itself into something else, a cow or, you know, a jeep or something.
2: I I don't even like it's incoherent.
1: Okay. Well, my point is, we don't observe any plant or animal or amoeba produce other than its kind. It's still an amoeba. Mm. You have a chart in your textbook and you showed some charts on your presentation that all life forms came from a single cell creature, like an amoeba or a bacteria. Okay, where's the evidence? There isn't any. I wish you guys would quit selling so, okay. it science. Okay, so
2: again, like we were talking about um, mathematics and interpolation and extrapolation. I Correct. talked about the astronomer who observes, he just for a short moment, observes a comet in orbit. We don't see all, like we don't observe the whole orbit. We don't have to right. see the whole process. Um, okay. but we can make an amazing prediction and, and that's what science does. In some cases we say, we look at these different species and we say, oh, well, we should predict that if we look, uh, in the past, we would expect to find a certain kind of animal and we do. And we find these amazing, um, fossils that show that, that there was a transition and, and like, there's the prediction, the prediction was satisfied.
1: By mass. Okay, that's fair enough. One point at a time. We can look at a comet, figure the trajectory, and with some uh-huh. pretty complicated mathematics, decide, well, that thing's gonna pass past the orbit of you know Pluto in you know 45 years. I agree, that can be done mathematically. I agree. We can observe this happening. Now, we don't observe any animal producing any other kind of animal. Uh, and you can't look you said we look in the past. You can't look in the past. You can and fossils. Explain how any fossil is capable of doing something that no animal today can do. I've said many times, if you find fossils, all you really know is it died. You couldn't prove it at any kids. Why did that bone get the magical power to produce something other than its kind when no animal today can? Get a laboratory, start raising amoeba. You got a short generation time. In your lifetime, you could probably watch 20, 30, 50,000 generations of amoeba. I'd be willing to bet you 20 bucks and I'll buy you a new hat that it would still be an amoeba without exception.
2: Um,
0: yeah. So I'm gonna, let's see if I could jump in here, Wade, in the yeah. last couple minutes of the discussion. Um, what I would recommend, but it depends on on what you want to do. The title of the debate, Is There Reasonable Evidence for Evolution? So you being in the affirmative today, specifically, did you want to spend the last couple minutes uh, picking, let's say, one final line of evidence? We've discussed quite a few, so this has been good. It's been thorough. Did you want to pick uh, one final one for us to engage before we get into some uh, concluding statements?
2: I mean, there's just so much evidence. I don't even... <laughs> uh, <laughs> So no, for- yeah, I, I did want to mention. Um, well, real real quickly, you you said that no one had observed a new kind of animal. We've observed speciation uh, dozens of times, um, but I want to talk about. Let me start sharing my screen. Talking about those bones in the ground. Um, share screen. You're good. Wait. Screen it Yeah. Out. Yeah. It's just take a sec- second to come up. So, um, I, I guess I must really like teaching analogies. I, you know, Jesus yeah. taught with parables, and I think is a great way to teach. I'm right. So, let's imagine we come across uh, a bunch of Russian nesting dolls. Uh, I don't care really when they were made, it's not that important to me. I don't really care where I found them. Uh, it's pretty easy to organize. These Russian dolls in an order that makes sense, and even in some cases, say we have one missing, science could interpolate the data and predict that they would find the missing uh, Russian doll. Okay, so if we look at the bones in the ground, we can look at these different fossils. You know, and I don't care if this one was older that or like million years, two billion years. I can see like, oh yeah, that guy was. Was pretty close, was pretty similar to this one, and, um, and 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 in some cases we even have that missing link, and we find it. Uh, that, the prediction comes true. let um, am talk about Batsulassaurus. So this this was a
1: really cool example that I found. If you hey, look at the skull, Donnie, one topic at a time. You're going to a new topic I'm
2: now. St- uh, this is still bones. Well, let's, um, so right, yeah, now, we're on, yeah, so right now we're
0: focusing on fossils and, and uh, transitional forms. Or okay. So Wade, let, let, let's, let's deal with one at a time. So let's allow uh, Dr. Dino to respond okay. to the previous one. And then we can move on to, let's say, Basilosaurus, if that's okay.
1: Well, your Russian doll one was a classic example. I've been doing extensive research on the evolution of the fork. For millions of years, I've been uh, collecting evidence of uh, piecing together fragmentary evidence to do the evolution of how the fork evolved. I got them lined up out of the dr- silverware drawer. I believe the knife under extreme geological pressure slowly was caved in and dished out and turned into a spoon. Very slowly, erosion cut grooves in it, turned it into a short time fork, and then gradually the grooves got deeper and longer, became a long time fork. I could tell I had a missing link right in here, and I couldn't find it. One day I was flying on US Air, And the stewardess walked down the aisle and handed me the missing link. I couldn't believe it. Later, I went to Kentucky Fried Chicken and found another one. So now I have the evolution of the silverware. There's proof right there. That is proof right there that the knife evolved to the fork over millions of years of evolution. I even found some mutations along the way. While I was doing research, somebody sent me some. Obvious frauds, they glued a fork head on a spoon handle, tried to fool me. You can't fool me. I know I caught it right away. And the environment caused some of them to turn different colors over the years. Now, that took millions and millions of years. So, sure, lining things up in order does not prove any relationship. And to find a fossil in the dirt that you think is between two others doesn't prove it is. Why aren't the animals today doing it? If the whale could produce something non-whale, well, let me see it. I mean, I can't. You can't even see an amoeba produce a non-amoeba. Go ahead with your whale bone, hip bones in the whale, and I'll debunk that one when you're done. I'm ready for it. Go ahead.
2: Oh, <clears throat> um, I, I, I guess one thing I want to point out before I jump back is uh, forks are inorganic; they can't reproduce. But um, sure. you know, so but but like when we look at fossils, we know that this was this reproduced naturally. So they didn't like, they don't, when I was growing up, I didn't like consciously think of how to design myself. It just happens. Right. So these, these things don't have a say in how, how they develop. They just grow because they're organic. But with the skulls here on the right, we have the land mammal, the coyote and the whale, the, has its, nasal cavity on the top of its head where the coyote has it on the front of its skull the basilosaurus has its nasal cavity on the like on the middle so that's i think that's a pretty good example of well i mean not only if that was the only bit of evidence that this guy was once a land animal um i think that'd be pretty interesting but right here so his his back leg and this isn't just a vestigial pelvis. We have a femur, a tibia, a, a fibia, all the toes. Do you think that this guy was like walking around on land with this, or does this help him swim, or is this maybe just like basically a useless uh, limb, or some would scientifically say a vestigial limb? But uh, well, I'll, I'll uh, end there.
1: Yeah, good point. If a creature does have a vestigial uh, organ or a vestigial limb that's losing, not gaining and moving the nostrils. Ha- have any coyotes been found that live near the water that have to swim a lot in the water Has, have any coyotes been found with their nostrils starting to move back or are they always on I mean, the front? Hip- hippos spend a lot of time in the water. Yeah. Their nostrils are on the front, aren't they? Yeah. But I, I
2: mean like, so maybe with reproduction, you know, the hippos have babies. Maybe one of the babies has a variation where their nostrils are just a little bit different or maybe their their feet are a little bit better for swimming. And uh, and then selection. Maybe there's a, a better way for survival. And, and the ones that have the advantage get to reproduce. Sure.
1: Just imagine all this happening. This purpose of the debate is for it, you to provide... It's almost as if
2: like... It sounds great. It's unreasonable.
1: Right. But like, there's just so much evidence to support it. You say there's so much evidence. You said that five times now. I'd like to see it. Nobody ever sees a coyote produce a non coyote. No fossil in an honest court of law. None of the fossils could possibly be counted as evidence because you couldn't prove it had any kids. You bring in your bone, your honor, this is the ancestor of dogs today. You don't know it's the ancestor of anybody. It's imagination. It's imagination. That's why I say evolution is a religion. You're welcome to have it, but don't call it science.
0: Okay, let me jump in there, uh, gentlemen. Yes.
1: Fantastic debate, great, engaging
0: discussion. Time is flying by. We uh, we discussed many important points. Uh, we could listen to this all day, but I do want to make sure we have time to get some of these, uh, get to some of these awesome audience questions. So. Uh, why don't we, it, Wade, there may be something you want to respond to there. A couple more points you wanted to make. We oh, do I was just. Well, we do have concluding statements. So if you want to. Uh, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Well,
2: aside from that, I would yeah. just absolutely yeah. love it if Dr. Dino whacked an atheist. Will you, will you whack me with your SpongeBob? <laughs> that would make my day.
1: Wait, Wade. Wade, you would not believe how long my list is of those who need to be whacked. There are so many out there. I feel like Ugh. it's a target-rich environment. Okay? <laughs> I'm a good Hopefully shot. Hopefully I'll I'm do a, something I'm, I'm worthy. Not I might eventually, sure.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to end the discussion. Uh, one of these days, you'll check it off the uh, bucket list there, Wade. So um let's hand it to Wade Wade the wizard great debate uh we've got over 310 people in the chat enjoying this debate with a lot of great questions so tons of fun well worth the wait and Wade we're going to hand it to you for a five-minute concluding statement so if there's any final points you want to make anything you feel was unaddressed now's the time
2: um let's see well I guess just a quick summary. So I grew up believing that God created everything. I, I believe just as Dr. Dino did. Um, I believed in God and I believed that God created everything. And But I changed my mind. And why did I change my mind? Because I studied and I researched. And I guess, so if there's any takeaway that anybody watching... Is don't take my word for it. My favorite motto of the Royal, the Royal Society, the oldest scientific society, is "Nullius in Verba," which is Latin for "On nobody's word." Okay, so don't trust me. Don't trust Dr. Dino. Go do your own research, kids. Learn science, and uh, the evidence is out there. And I- I'm still learning more and more. Even just As I was preparing for this debate, um, I came across endogenous retroviruses, retroviruses, which uh, is incredible. And um, gosh, I just learned so much and and like talking about or I, I had a real fun time doing the actual math on speciation of frogs and how it's completely implausible to to believe that only 4,400 years ago, God killed everything. Um, and and yes, I, I don't know that the main takeaway is I used to believe in, in creation, but I believe in evolution now because of the evidence. And if there was ever evidence that could persuade me, I would change my mind. I would change my mind and believe in creation, but I don't think that day will ever come. That's all. Thanks.
0: All right. I appreciate that uh, concluding statement there, Wade the Wizard. So a couple minutes we can throw into the audience Q&A. Dr. Dino, we're going to hand it over to you. Uh, Brother, you've got uh, five minutes as well. Whenever you're ready.
1: Put my screen up. Damien. Damien. Put my screen up. Okay, good. It's okay. <laughs> <Huh>? Why? <Well>, I... <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, been a long day here. Uh, I believe this this d- debate over creation and evolution is essential. Uh, it's probably at least one of the central themes of life. If there's a God, we better find out who he is and find out what he wants because he owns the place, okay? If you wake up in the middle of a store, look around and say, wow, can I have all this stuff? Well, no, it might belong to somebody, okay? Uh, I think there's a, the whole purpose of life is is changed by whether you believe in creation or, or evolution it's a, it's a absolutely essential topic that you get settled if there's a god he owns it you better find out what he wants which god that's a different argument okay where'd you come from what am i where am i going what's the point of life if evolution is true you guys offer absolutely no point there's no purpose to life there's no reason of any rules I've often asked atheists, if you believe in evolution, how do you tell right from wrong? On any topic, you have to borrow Christian standards to choose right and wrong. It would be wrong for me to break into your house, Wade, and and shoot you and steal your stuff. Well, you say, yeah, well, why? Why is that wrong? Is it wrong for the lion to go into the zebra's home and kill the baby and eat it? The lion doesn't think so. The lion thinks it's fine. Where is the standard for right and wrong? One of the, we did not get to it, but the Bible says in the last days, there would be scoffers who would walk after their own lust. They don't want God's rules because it violates what they want to do. And the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 5, they're willingly ignorant of how God made the heavens and how the world was overflowed with water. The flood explains all the, why do we have fossils at all? You want to line up these fossils? Wait a minute, no fossils are forming today. Millions of animals died today. None of them are going to fossilize. None of them. But we find fossils by the trillions. Fossil clams in the closed position had to be buried quickly and buried alive. There's no other explanation because clams open when they die. So my position is God created everything in six days. He destroyed it with a big flood. You you can't figure out how all those frogs came from frogs on Noah's Ark in 4,400 years. For heaven's sake, Wade. You believe all those frogs came from a rock. You couldn't do that in, in, in any infinite amount of time, eternity. We never see this happen. The Bible says he's also got the heaven and the earth reserved unto fire and judgment against the day of perdition and ungodly men. There's coming a day of judgment. The, in the 1830s is when this really started with the stupid uh, geologic column they invented, Charles Lyell. The geologic column doesn't exist anywhere in the world. But you've been taught, Wade, that you said you studied the evidence. Let's see, what you say? Yeah, you studied uh, and researched. And that led you to the conclusion that, no, that there's no God. I don't know what you studied, but you better keep going, keep studying on that, because this is a critical topic. If you're wrong, Pascal's wager here, if you're wrong, you've lost everything. If I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. I've had a wonderful life. I enjoy life, happy. And if I die and find out that's it, okay, I still enjoyed life. But if we die, if we both die and find out I'm right, there's a God, you're going to be judged, you're going to be in trouble. I'd suggest you think about that long and hard. Okay, questions from the audience.
0: All right, I appreciate that uh, concluding statement there, uh, Dr. Hoven. And uh, fantastic debate. This was a lot of fun. We've got a great chat, lots of uh, great feedback, comments, and uh, compliments. So uh, there's also going to be an after show. That's going to take place immediately after this debate on Logical, Plausible, Probables channel, and he always has an after show to remember, so everybody head on over there after this debate ends. Okay, let's get into some of these questions for the audience Q and A. So let's go all the way back to the beginning here, and we have enough questions for an all nighter. So, we're just going to get through a, a few of these. I'll pick them at random. And there's a, a good bunch for both of you. So, this first one comes in from Landon Freeman. And, uh, Wade, this is your first time on the platform. So, what we usually do here on Standing for Truth is whoever the question is for gets the last word. Uh, so, let's say the question's for Kent, then he can respond. We'll give you a chance, then we'll give Kent the last word and we'll move on that way. So, this one is for you, though, Wade. So the question is from Landon Freeman. Thank you, Landon. He says, question for Wade. What biological findings would lead you to believe in limited common descent as opposed to universal common descent? Go ahead, Wade.
2: Uh, yeah, just this uh, I This is... Um... Uh, I, I just haven't uh, researched that, universal common descent. I'm just trying to...
0: Well, it, it in other words, uh, the yeah. position you're defending, that all life, plants, animals are related through common ancestry, limited common descent would be not all life is, is related. Like maybe humans and chimps aren't related or
2: something, yeah, rather yeah. than universal. So biological findings. Um, so that, that was some long time ago time ago, I was, um, I had this vague memory of basically I was, they were explaining how either we all have one common ancestor or it could have been that there was, uh, we started off with a bunch of different branches and those branched off. Um, I I can't remember the explanation. It was something over my expertise. It has to do with, um, DNA or, Possibly, you know these these traces in uh, in DNA and I, I, something I will definitely research more, look more into. Thank you for the good question.
0: I appreciate the response, Wade, and uh, Kent. Over to you for your uh, response.
1: Yeah, I think the descent with modification certainly happens, and the modifications are limited. I think he's right. It's a bunch of branches on a bunch of different trees. There's probably 8,000 different kinds of animals that Noah had to take on the ark, and they have now branched off into millions of varieties. There are 1,100 varieties of apples. They might have had a common ancestor called an apple. There are 4,000 varieties of potatoes, might have had a common ancestor, branches on the potato tree. The fact that there's 4,000 kinds of potatoes and 330 different kinds of dogs two branched off, they branched off, no question. Therefore, Wade wants to imagine that those branches go underground. And if you go back millions of years, the potato and the dog are related. Wade, do you believe a potato and a dog are related? Yeah, we we covered that. (laughs) Well, I'll answer for you. Yes, you do. Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) We'll move on. Uh, you guys are great. So here we go. Uh, good question and good uh, feedback, Kent and Wade. So this uh, next one comes in from Saved by Grace, and this one is for you now, Kent. So Saved by Grace asks, Dr. Dino, is Archaeopteryx a transitional fossil between dinosaurs and modern birds? Question for Dr. Dino. Uh, go ahead, Kent.
1: Well, it's a loaded question. Uh, They're assuming that there are transitional fossils. Nothing transitions to anything else. There are no transitions of anything. Nobody ever sees a uh, dinosaur produce a non-dinosaur baby or a bird produce a non-bird baby. And the idea that dinosaurs turned to birds has got to be one of the stupidest ideas ever invented in the history of humanity, right after Big Bang, that we all fit in a dot smaller than a period. So again, I stand by my uh, fact that I said, if, if you find any fossil, any fossil, it would not count as evidence of being ancestor to anybody. If you find an Archaeopteryx fossil, you'd say, wow, this could be an unusual bird that they've gone extinct. You don't know it's transitioning to anything. We don't see any animals today transitioning to anything. What animal today is transitioning to something else? I'd like to see it. It's not observed, that's not science. And that's why I think I stand by what I said, the purpose of the debate. Where's the scientific evidence? Is there reasonable scientific evidence for evolution? Archaeopteryx would not be reasonable evidence for evolution, not at all.
0: All right, I appreciate that Dr. Dino. And uh, Wade, was there anything you would like to add to that question?
2: Yeah, I, I actually, Archaeopteryx is one of my, my favorite, um, I think one of the coolest, species and I, I was pulling up it's actually got a pretty extensive you know wiki article but the the things that are interesting about it is we currently have never discovered a bird that has teeth we have never seen a bird with a uh with bones in their tail like they don't have tails it's it's just like a stump with the feathers that come out um and I think that they have claws too or something like it's this, it's this really cool bird lizard. Um, I think it's really cool. And I think it's a great evidence to suggest like, this is maybe how uh, birds developed the developed flight. Um, Yeah. That's
0: all I'll say about that. All right. Thank you, uh, Wade, for your response. And uh, Kent, question was for you. So you get the uh, final word on that one.
1: Well. Archaeopteryx, uh, if it's even legitimate, was an unusual bird. It had claws on its wings. The hoatzin today has claws on its wings. It had teeth in its beak. That's unusual. The hummingbird has teeth in its beak. Okay, So there are birds with teeth in the beak, or at least uh, serrated uh, uh, beak material. So, it But the some of them were faked and invented by a Chinese entrepreneur farmer who wanted to make some money, so he faked these fossils. Some of them were. Uh, You can read all about that. I might watch my video number four about lies in the textbook. So I think the fake fossils were intended to support the theory that birds evolved from dinosaurs. Olson, uh, outspoken opponent of the theory, has taken advantage of this moment to renew the old debate on the origin of birds. I'd be willing to bet $10. Birds will always produce birds. They always have. They always will. Birds will lay eggs and they'll hatch out to be a bird, if they hatch at all. So Archaeopteryx would not be evidence for anything. Archaeoraptor, Archaeopteryx, all of these I cover on my video number four, lies in the textbooks, you can get it on drdino.com, plug plug the videos there. I encourage you to watch that. But again, my bigger picture, no fossil counts, none. No animal today is doing this. They're giving bones the ability to do something no animal today can do. That's why it is imagination. It's not science.
0: All right. Thank you, uh, Dr. Dino, for your final response there. So this next question comes in from Power Word, and the question is for you, Wade. So he says, Wade, how many species of frogs should there be after 265 million years of growth according to your formula? Does this number coincide with the seven thousand four hundred and one and one known species? Wade, go ahead.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, this was something that I, I definitely could have done the calculation, but the, the main difference would be the rate of growth. Okay, so in order to have that many species in a short amount of time, we have to have a huge rampant um, exponential growth. But in so with evolution, what we see, what the evidence suggests is that over millions of years we have just a few species and it's a very slow growth rate so maybe it takes a couple hundred years or or maybe they're talking about so like there's been two frogs discovered in the last 10 years that that, yeah that is an interesting like if i take that data point um, and kind of extrapolate it 265 million years um, but I, i don't know that's something i could look into but i I think that the the math for evolution works better than the the math for noah's ark that's all that's what i'll finish with
0: all right thank you uh wade and uh dr dino any uh thoughts anything you wanted to add to that
1: well i I, the definition of that word species would have to be clear and like as i showed a couple weeks ago in the debate here you can go back one of my previous debates I went through 30 minutes on, there's, there's not a good definition of species today. They still argue, what does that word mean? Capable of reproducing? Can a Great Dane and a Chihuahua reproduce? Uh, probably a few mechanical problems there, but maybe they could. So, um, dog and a wolf, could they reproduce? Could a dog and a Chihuahua? I mean, could a, ch- a wolf and a Chihuahua? So, there's, I, I showed that in great detail. I can't find it now. I got 40 billion slides here, but uh, th- what do you mean, what's a species? They say there's 7,401 species of frogs. I don't know where that number comes from, but it sounds reasonable. Let's say that's true. They probably had a common ancestor called a frog. That's all we've ever seen. Variations of frog. You don't see frogs come from anything other than frogs. It's imagination, SpongeBob style, to believe anything other than that. Thank you.
0: All right. I appreciate that response there, Kent. And Wade, to be fair, the question was for you. So we'll give you the final word.
2: Oh, I forgot I had uh, final word. Um, I, I what was what was the last thing, Doctor Dino? Uh, oh, I, well. So once again, you you know. So there's a lot of frogs. They probably had a common ancestor, a frog, one frog. But as I showed, if we do the math, we can't get from one frog to seven thousand frogs in a short amount of time. Only in the imagination, only with magic. All right,
0: gentlemen, I appreciate it. And now moving on to the next question. This one comes in from Vic and this one's for you, uh, Dr. Dino. So Vic asks, question for Kent Hoven. Can Kent name one piece of evidence for creation that can be falsified?
1: Hmm. Uh, I guess I'd have to have more clarification of exactly what he's looking for, for the creation story found in the Bible, for creation itself. Uh, If I had a theory that this pen was created, it didn't happen by chance. I suppose if I could get a pen to form by chance, you know, lightning striking a plastics factory, maybe, you know, that would falsify it. But uh, I guess I'd have to clarify that question a little more. What exactly are they looking at? I don't know of any evidence that would falsify the idea that this pen had a creator. I don't think there's any other, there's no other reasonable option. Somebody created this, had to. Even the ball that goes in the end for the ball point, I bet that little ball was designed to roll around and catch the ink in the tube and pull it out. I think there's. it's it's common sense, it was designed. So is there a way to falsify that? I don't think so, I think it's it's the only conclusion. There had to be a creator. Now, which creator? Is it Allah or Buddha or Jehovah? That's a whole different argument. But is there a God? I think that's a, a absolutely inescapable conclusion. Yes, there had to be a designer.
2: Okay.
0: All right, thank you, uh, Kent, for that answer. And wait, anything you wanted to add to that one? Uh, so I
1: think
2: uh, one of my favorite things about science is this uh, idea of falsifiability. So if I make the scientific claim that all swans are white all it takes is I have find one black swan to prove, to falsify that claim. So Kent Hoven is claiming that God created everything in uh, 6,000 years ago. So in order to falsify or, or rather uh, in order to falsify evolution, all we need is one example where uh, God creates an animal or like some kind of species just like poofs into existence or something. Um, and then we'd be like, oh, maybe maybe evolution is not true. Um, and I, I would change my mind if there was some kind of evidence. And, and I think it's so amazing. So Darwin suggested evolution 160 years ago, I think. And ever since he did, thousands of people have been trying to falsify evolution. They've been looking for evidence. So, well, maybe it doesn't work in this case, or maybe... And yet it still stands as the foundation of all biology.
0: All right. Thank you, Wade. And to be fair, uh, Kent, question was for you. You can have the final response.
1: Well, over 4,000 years ago, we people started teaching this Bible after Noah got off the ark and told the flood story to his kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And that's never been falsified either. That's 4,400 years worth of not being able to falsify. You cannot prove there wasn't a worldwide flood. There's plenty of water out there to cover the earth. Still here, it's in the oceans. There's plenty of evidence the earth was covered by water. It's, I live in a gravel pit with seven layers of gravel that go from here to North Carolina. Rounded rocks, our gravel is rounded. I think that's evidence it was tumbled around and rolled. They call it river rock. It goes from here to North Carolina, 500 miles. I think it was flood. Come take the tour away I'll show you all the evidence we give about Noah's flood. So I don't think the flood story has ever been falsified. Uh, it doesn't prove it's true but it's never been falsified for 4,400 years. Darwin's only been around a short time so let's give it time. I think it's I think it's baloney.
0: All right, I appreciate that final word there Kent and I want to respect the time of the debaters as we are coming up at the 2 hour mark, time has flown by. This has been an awesome debate. So what we'll do is wind it down here with one final question. I do want to thank everybody in the audience though for Uh, being so engaged with the debate as you sent in some fantastic questions. So this last one comes in from Redefine Living. He says, uh, standing for truth, question, and this one is for you, Wade. So uh, Redefine asks, how does evolution address harmful mutation accumulation, mutations that are not removed by natural selection? Uh, Wade, go ahead.
2: Um, Okay, so... Uh, mutations. So, I mean, again, evolution is just the three, you know, we have reproduction, variation, or mutation, and selection. And um, so one thing that came to mind is, which didn't come up in our debate, but kind of the topic of, like, human evolution. And we have kind of an interesting situation with humans, because our selection is rather unnatural, you know, if someone has appendicitis and normally in nature, they would have been selected to die, but we have, you know, uh, medicine where we can do an appendectomy or we can put someone on dialysis or, you know, give them insulin. And, um, you know, so these, these harmful mutations that humans have like our eyes that are deteriorating, uh, we have these cool inventions that we can put on our eyes, and we kind of avoid that natural selection. Um, but harmful mutation accumulate so i mean there's there's definitely a number of examples of harmful mutation in in nature. there's a one that comes to mind there's a it's like a boar or a pig, and it has these tusks that grow out. And they curl and pierce their skull like why that that's not useful but they uh the reason this hasn't been weeded out because of evolution is because they're able to reproduce before they're killed before they kill themselves and that's all it takes is a little bit of reproduction and millions of years
0: All right. Well, Wade, I appreciate the response. And uh, we're going to hand it over now to uh, Dr. Dino. Uh, Go ahead for your response.
1: Well, all that's ever been observed in mutations are harmful. And if they accumulate to a certain period, the the creature dies or maybe the whole species goes extinct. I think there are pretty good examples of extinction of of whole, whole kinds of animals. It appears that most of the dinosaurs are extinct. Many of the varieties are uh, that doesn't that, that's not going to explain how they got there. So all we observe are animals going extinct or mutations that are harmful. And yet Wade's whole religion of evolution is based on the assumption that there would be trillions and trillions of beneficial mutations, and they're not observed. They're just simply not observed. That's why I say it's a, it's a faith. It's faith-based. You have greater faith than I do. But you went from the faith in Mormonism, which is pretty dumb to an even dumber one believing in evolution. Oh, get, keep reading, Wade, you can be a Baptist, then you know you made it to the top, okay?
0: <laughs> All right, I appreciate that response there. Uh, Wade, you guys have made for a, a debate to remember, tons of fun. So Wade, question was for you, though. So uh, why don't we give you the last word on that one?
2: Um, oh, I, I mean, I guess one thought that came to mind, it was interesting, is um, it's estimated that it's like 99% of all species that have ever existed are extinct. Uh, I just think it's interesting that like God would be like, Oh, I created a, a dinosaur and ah, no, this is a, and then, you know, like, and then it goes extinct. Like, why would God create something just for it to go extinct? And that's kind of interesting, but uh, you know, you're talking about my transition from Mormonism to atheism and, and you believe the Bible and more, we both agree i'm glad we both agree that mormon is mormonism is a silly religion yeah um if there's one takeaway i would love for you to just ponder on is how so like the book of mormon believed by many is sacred talks about jesus christ coming to america to visit some ancient jews that civilized uh uh lived in america um how do you know Dr. Dino, that the Book of Mormon is false and the Bible is true. How do you determine that? You're the muted.
1: Program.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dr. Dino. You're unmuted. I'm,
1: I'm doing a series every Sunday here on our program, uh, Kent Hovind Official, uh, different religions, what do they believe and why I don't believe that. And coming up soon is why I'm not a Mormon. So it'll take I'd actually hour to...
2: love to speak with you yeah. on that. We,
1: we have this whole book episode. Uh, Hey, call our office. My secretary will send you one for free. Uh answers to my Mormon friends. I think Mormon religion. Uh, it's hard to tell which is dumber, evolution or Mormonism, but I think evolution takes the cake on that one.
0: All right, Wade the Wizard and Dr. Dino. I appreciate those final responses. Uh Kent, your first time in I think 270 debates debating a wizard. So here we go. First time for everything. Uh, Gentlemen, did you want some final words, final thoughts? I want to uh, thank you both for giving us your time for tonight. It was an epic debate. We've still got over 320 people in the chat, and the chat has been very lively. So I appreciate it. The debate was well worth the wait. Uh, Wade, why don't we start with you? Because uh, this is your first time on the platform, and you kicked us off uh, in terms of opening statements. So final words, final thoughts, and Wade, thank you for doing this.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, yeah this has been a great experience. I'm glad we were able to finally connect and it's been really interesting and um yeah, I don't know maybe maybe we can come back and do a different debate about Noah's flood or uh i I also thought it'd be a really fun idea. you know, I could come speak about Mormonism or um we could do whack an atheist Wade the wizard uh. And I'll just come on your show, and you can just, just whack me all night. <laughs> but, but yeah, right. thank you. Thanks for the time. It's been nice. Nice to meet you.
0: Hey, nice to meet you as well. I appreciate those final thoughts, final words. Uh, wait, maybe one day we'll uh, we'll have uh, Kent feature you on a, a whack an atheist special. So I appreciate those final words, uh, Doctor Dino. Again, thank you so much for doing this. Final words, final thoughts.
1: Now, I'm amazed how many of the atheists think it's an honor to be whacked by Kent Hovind. And some of them, they, they, that's their goal in life, to get on that list. I have a long list. I'm sorry, I can't promise that, but <laughs> summary. Okay, summary. I believe God made the world. He owns it. He makes the rules. <clears throat> and we're all guilty of breaking his rules. He said, don't bear false witness. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't, we've all broken these rules. We're going to be punished. Or you need to find a substitute. And Jesus Christ paid for my sins 53 years ago. I accepted him as my savior. If you died today, where would you go, Wait, Smoking or non-smoking? I'd be willing to bet $500 you're going to be dead for a long time. Long time. I don't know how how long you're going to live. Hope it's a long time. But you're going to be dead longer than that. All you get in this life's a little bitty dash between two dates. And for those Christians watching this debate, I'll ask you a very simple question. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Can't you find something to do besides play them stupid video games? Find something productive to do for the Lord. If you can't shoot, carry bullets, pay for the bullets, do something. We produce a lot of videotapes. We want to encourage you to strengthen your faith. You can go our office, Dr. Dino. Call our 855 big Dino, or call, come visit Dinosaur Adventureland. It's all free. We'd love to see you um, come down here. And wait, bring all your Mormon friends down here. We can take the tour, have a long talk about Joseph Smith. I think we can straighten that out. All right. Thank you for so much, Donnie. It is late. I'm an old man. I'm going to bed. Good night.
0: <laughs> well deserved. I appreciate it. Time for bed. Okay. okay, guys, we'll see you later. Thank you for tuning in. God bless. And uh, we'll see anybody who's still up. We'll see him at the after show and standing for truth is out.